Bengoraphobia, the guy who threw up on John Tesh by Ian from English. Fade in, interior apartment day, a dimly lit post-war apartment in Fresh Meadows, Queens. The apartment is rent controlled and besides a few changes is pretty much the same since the 1990s. We fade into a kitchen counter. Next to the microwave are the boxes of Cheerios, regular, multigrain, and honey nut. Each box is open and on the side is duct tape displaying how much is left in the box and the last day eaten. We next see the refrigerator. It is a 1990s model with one decoration, a handwritten piece of construction paper with a picture of a book and the words, Happy Birthday, Uncle Ben from Erin. Notable is the black marker crossouts on the backwards P in Happy and the B in Ben. They are corrected in obviously adult handwriting with the same black Sharpie. We pull back to reveal the bedroom. A typical almost dorm-like bedroom, austere and white. A dresser is against the wall with a large screen HDTV. In the middle of the room is a queen-size bed. Laying in it is Ben Rosenfeld, 41. Overweight, graying, anxiety-riddled, and wearing a white t-shirt and boxer shorts. The apartment buzzer sounds. Ben gets up, staggers to the door, and presses the buzzer. Hello? It's your brother. Send him up. Ben yawns and scratches his stomach. The doorbell rings. Before he opens the door, he knocks on it softly three times. He then opens the door. It is his older brother, Gary. Tall, thin, and handsome, he is the antithesis of his brother. He enters, and the brothers hug. How are you? It's 10 a.m. Did you just wake up? Yeah, I stayed up to watch an all-night Happy Days marathon. But don't worry. I went to bed when they started showing the episodes after Richie and Ralph joined the army. Well, at least you didn't waste your time. So, how you doing? Fine. Why are you here? I love you, too. Can we talk in the kitchen? Okay. They walk to the kitchen and sit at the kitchen table. Ben pauses near the refrigerator. Can I get you something to drink? What do you have? Ben opens the refrigerator and searches. Uh, Dr. Pepper and Mountain Dew. Do you have anything healthier? Diet, Dr. Pepper. No, thanks. Listen, I'll get right to the point. I wanted to hand deliver this to you. He hands Ben an invitation. A wedding invitation? I thought that you were already married. Are you renewing your vows? No. Your niece is getting married, and she asked me to hand deliver it to you. Aaron is getting married? Yes. Aaron is getting married, and you're going to be there. Oh, you know I can't do that. Why? You know why? I can't deal with them. Them who? The people. The public. Them. Come on. You know there's nobody out there who cares about you. Thanks. You know what I mean. Listen, to most people, you're anonymous. But not to us. We're your family. So you're going? Or what? I'm out of the will? I'm the one with all the money? Yes, I know. Chuck. Child Prodigy wrote the great American novel at the age of 17 and became a hermit at 20. Now I'm not here to fight. Erin wants you there. She loves her uncle. She remembers all the good times you used to have. Yeah, you guys used to come over every Sunday for breakfast. Then you had to move to Long Island. We decided it was best for Erin's education. I had to think about my family. Your family? It's my family, too. I bet you don't even know how old she is. 18. Ben, she's 24. 
Time passes when you go outside. No, I can't do it. You know I left the apartment five times in 20 years. I start to sweat. I get the feeling I'm about to lose control. All five times, I was back in here 10 minutes. I remember the last time. Aunt Irene's funeral. You really let the family down. Why? They still buried her. But mom and dad wanted to see you. They miss you. They worry about you. For example, who cleans up this place? Well, I have a cleaning woman who comes in twice a week. What about female companionship? She comes in three times a week. Listen, if she gets you to come, bring her. She's older than Erin. Barely? She's 25, but she is in graduate school. Yeah, that's what they all say. And if I believe it, I'm okay. Listen, don't make any decisions today. Keep the invitation. Put it on the fridge next to Erin's birthday card. I gotta go. Take care of yourself, bro. They hug again. Gary leaves the apartment. Ben walks over to the table, picks up the invitation, and attaches it to the refrigerator with a magnet. Ben goes into his bedroom and puts on a pair of sweatpants. With a determined look, he walks up and down. He starts to pace, slowly at first, but then slowly gains momentum. He grabs his keys from a keychain hanging by the door. He walks to the door and opens it. With a deep breath, he takes a step outside. Exterior Ben's hall, apartment hallway. He steadies himself and looks down his hallway. Nothing. He breathes a sigh of relief. The woman, to, the door to the apartment directly across from him opens. A woman in her early 30s and her child, around 5, enter the hallway. Ben looks at them and they look at him. There goes an ugly man. Ben doesn't know what to do. He smiles and shrugs at the mother as if to say, kids. He then rushes back to the door. He struggles to open the door and when he does, heads right to the bathroom. He begins to wreck. Dissolve to act two. Interior Ben's apartment, office, midday. Ben is at his desk, typing on his computer. He is wearing his typical Tuesday outfit of a Greatest American Hero t-shirt and sweatpants. The room is decorated as it would have been 20 years earlier, with autographed pictures of Mike Piazza, Alyssa Milano, and Dan Aykroyd on the wall next to various 90s movie posters. There is a TV about 10 feet away where a taxi episode plays. The intercom buzzes. Miss Martinez is here. Quizzical, Ben looks up from his work. He makes a mad dash for his bedroom and pushes the intercom. Send her up. Ben rips off his Tuesday clothes except for his underwear. Ben goes into his closet and pulls out a Hugh Hefner-style robe with his initials monogrammed on it. This robe is tattered from where he has owned it for 10 years. He runs into his bedroom and tries to strike a sexy pose. There's a knock at the door. Come in. I'm in the bedroom. As he does when someone enters the apartment, Ben knocks three times on his dresser. In walks Ashley Martinez, 24. She is short, beautiful, Puerto Rican slash Dominican, conservatively dressed in a business suit. Very bright, she is played by her thick Queens accent, which gives her the appearance of someone less sophisticated. Ben would tell her that she needs some polish. She walks into the bedroom. Hi. Hey, what are you doing here? It's Tuesday. We're not scheduled until tomorrow. Are you doing a new thing where you buy 10, you get one free? No, actually, I wanted to talk to you in person. I'm not going to be doing this anymore. Wait, you're an escort and you're giving me two weeks notice? I guess that's better than the way you ladies normally end up, you know, being found in a dumpster. Yeah, not just you. I'm not working for the agency anymore. Sesame chicken? Okay. Ben opens up the refrigerator and takes the Chinese food out and puts it in the microwave. 
appreciate that you came here to tell me in person. Why are you retiring your ATM machine? Well, you know, I've been in graduate school and I just finished my master's thesis. So you were really doing this to pay for college? Yeah, that's what I told you. I just thought it was something they taught you to say, so I don't feel guilty when I jizz in your face. The microwave beeps. Ben gets up, gets two plates from the cupboard, and divides the meal into two. Why is everything a joke to you? Everything is a joke. If you don't laugh, you're miserable. So you're really going to be a shrink? Yes. So why did you really come here to tell me you're quitting? They could have handled, handled it and sent a new girl. I wanted to let you know the truth. I know who you are. I read both of your books in high school. I did research on the internet, where you live, found your address. One day I came to the building and I saw a girl leaving your apartment. I talked to them and they told me they came from the agency. I took some sexy pictures, dropped them off, and they called me for work. I asked for you because I wanted to meet you. I studied you. In fact, my thesis was about you. So when we were having sex, you had an ulterior motive. I just thought you were just doing me for money, but that I totally understand, but this is just dishonest. Listen, I'm sorry I did that to you. That's why I felt I had to tell you in person. But I am not sorry for the choices I made. I was able to pay for college and graduate school. You could have banged me a couple more times and added finishing school. Hey, I have no student debt and after the PhD, can easily open my practice. Hey, I, I understand. You're like a baseball pitcher who used his 100-mile-per-hour fastball to get to the majors. Only the foreign substances were on my balls. I, I appreciate you coming to me before this goes any further. Actually, that was another reason why I came. I'd like to ask you a favor. I still need my doctoral thesis, and you're fascinating. I'd like to continue to study you even conduct therapy sessions so all the world will see how fucked up i am that's what i've been trying to hide here for 25 years you'll learn you're not all that different there's a lot of people with agoraphobia really i haven't met them i just want to know what i get out of this arrangement the knowledge that you helped somebody and maybe just maybe the research and therapy sessions might help you I don't need any help. I'm perfectly happy with the way I live. The only thing I'm missing is what I was paying you for. You can still get girls from the agency. Well, if you are still on good terms with them, can you tell them to send me a black girl next? Why a black girl? I'm making my way through women like the marshmallows and Lucky Charms. I just need a black girl and a Southeast Asian, and I've completed the collection. I just don't trade with my friends. Fine, I'll call. So, is there any way you would let me do this? What is the least that I have to do? I would move in as quiet as possible. You wouldn't even realize I'm here most of the time. You would just have to talk with me for one hour, three times a week. If I let you move in, you have to follow every rule. Like what? You see that dollar? Yeah. It's been in that position in the corner of the living room since the day I moved in. It does not get moved. Why? I don't know why. I just know that if something bad will happen if it gets moved. Ashley takes out a pen and a notebook from her purse and begins to take notes.
So this is what you're going to do. Write down everything I say. That's the only way it'll work. I need to know as much as possible if I'm to diagnose and help people. What other rules? No coffee. Coffee? I can't stand the smell of coffee. I've never had a cup. I don't like the effect it has on people. You know how people act. Oh, I'm not the same without my morning coffee. It's all that sugar. It's bad for you. By the way, can you hand me that Mountain Dew? Ashley hands Ben a can of Mountain Dew nearby. Is tea okay? Fine. Finally, when I go to sleep, I need pitch black. No light, no sound. So when I go to bed, you go to bed. Okay, fine. I really need this. My proposal was already passed. Is there anything I can say to get you to say yes? Ben thinks for a beat and then looks and points at the invitation on the refrigerator. That. I want to go to my niece's wedding in one year. I will let you stay here, study me, and tell me, tell you everything about me. But I need you to get me to do this. You will even come to the wedding as my date to make sure I get through. Well, psychology makes no promises. But I'm not a psychologist yet, so I can promise you'll be at her wedding. End of Act 2. Act 3, Interior Living Room Day. Ben's living room is decorated modestly with a couch, armchair, table filled with snacks, and a big screen television. Ben is sitting on the armchair when Ashley enters the room with a yellow legal pad and a pen. Do you want to start our first session now? Sure. Please sit on the couch. No. Why not? Because that's what crazy people do, and I'm not crazy. Besides, you're my guest. David Letterman sat on a chair and the guest on the couch. Carson sat on a chair while his guest sat on a couch. You're not a talk show host. You're just an asshole. An asshole that could kick you out. Do you even want to get better? This is hard. I've never done this before. What I need from you is a promise to try. That is what it takes to get this started. Tell me about the first time you started having feelings of anxiety. Interior MTV Awards Night Flashback. It is 1995 at an award center in Hollywood. Various personalities and their entourages are milling backstage. Ben is seen pacing back and forth. It started after my first book became popular. I was asked to be a presenter at the MTV Music Awards. That part of the evening went fine. At the after party, I started to feel nauseous and was about to leave when John Tesh. Ben Rosenfeld, John Tesh. A few questions. Do you think that it's someone who became famous for her work? We now see the room spinning from the point of view of Ben. Interior Ben's apartment, present day. I ran to the bathroom because I wanted to be remembered as an author and not the guy who threw up on John Tesh. So, what happened next? Well, nothing immediately. I didn't think anything about it until I was a guest on Conan O'Brien. I was backstage and I heard him call my name and I couldn't go out there. I felt like I was going to puke. Then this began to happen every time I went out to eat. I had to make sure that wherever I was was right near a bathroom. And it continued. I went to a doctor and he gave me anti-nausea pills and I was able to go outside and not get nervous. So you were able to leave your apartment? Yes, but I couldn't go to restaurants. Interior bathroom flashback. 
We see Ben entering a bathroom. While washing his hands, he sees a sign stating employees must wash their hands. Under the title, there are pictures showing the employees how to wash their hands in five steps. We see a waiter leave a stall. Don't worry, sir. Your food will be ready shortly. We then see the waiter go to the sink and wash his hands. He stares at the how to wash your hands poster and does with the steps all while counting off each step in a whispering tone. Ben sees this. A look of repulsion appears on his face as he runs into a stall. Interior Ben's apartment, present day. Okay, but that's restaurants. What other things occurred that kept you in the house? Ben gets up and is pacing while telling the story, going more rapidly with his reciting. Interior, Todd's house, flashback. Ben and his friend Todd walk into Todd's house. Ben goes into the living room while Todd goes into the kitchen off camera. Want a beer? Oh, I forgot. You don't drink. How about iced tea? Cool. This is great. Mets, Yankees. Too bad uh, Maliki is pitching. Todd's mother, Mary, enters from the kitchen. She is extremely unattractive. Approximately 50 years old, she has a large, hairy wart on her nose. Do you want a snack? I can microwave some spaghetti. Say she's ugly. Don't say she's ugly. Uh, second thought, get me a vodka cranberry. Todd comes in carrying the drink. Ben takes it and drinks it in one gulp. We see Ben and zoom in on his brain, and the theme to Night Court is playing. Ben smiles. Interior of Ben's apartment, present day. This led to a cycle of thoughts that, like, what if I can't stop the words in my brain without alcohol, and I become an alcoholic and go to bed for it? So you were worried about hurting yourself. Yeah, but I was really worried about hurting someone else. What do you mean? I had a friend that I actually got into my first fit, fist fight with. As we were being pulled apart, I told him to drop dead. That night, he was riding his bike and got hit by a car. Dead. You must know that was a coincidence. I did, the first time. I had this one critic who hated my second book. You know, The Chariot Rider. And she gave me such a vicious review. She called me a one-hit wonder and said even that was only above average. I wrote her a note saying that she had been in the book review business for 54 years. And isn't it about time she died and gave the job to somebody born in this century? And she did. Two days later. You can't really think you had control of these events. Well, two coincidences are hard to believe. But the third one convinced me. The first semester of college, I put off writing a paper until the last minute. I just forgot. I just I had just 12 hours to write a 20-page paper on Jacques, Jean-Jacques Rousseau. I did an hour worth of research and filled out the paper with as much bullshit as I could. I handed it in and prayed that something would happen so she wouldn't read it. Let me guess. She died. No, went blind. It was just so on the nail, and I thought it couldn't be a coincidence. But I still went out and tried. I wanted to have a normal wife. I wanted a wife and a family. Ashley looks at her watch. Well, I have a class, so let's discuss the incident that broke the camel's back at, say, six. Great. I can't wait to relive it. End of Act 3. Act 4, interior apartment, dining room. Ben is putting the finishing touches on dinner. He sets up his 
cir small circular table correctly with two plates, napkins, silverware, and a vase with a rose in it, all in the proper place. Ashley, with her new key, enters and walks into the room. What's this? Dinner. You made dinner? Oh, no. Getfood.com. It's the best thing that ever happened to agoraphobics. I remembered in our previous meetings, you were a big fan of fettuccine Alfredo. You know, that's what I always liked about you. I'm a good host, especially for people who swallowed my bodily fluid. Ben goes into the kitchen with two plates. Do you want extra cheese? No, I'm fine. Ben re-enters the room with one plate of fettuccine Alfredo, one plate of veal parmesan. Let me get the wine. Ben goes back into the kitchen and brings in a bottle of wine, chilling in an ice bucket and two wine glasses. Let me guess, Veal? Apparently you have been paying attention too. You remembered, Veal is my favorite. I think it's totally disgusting. How Veal is baby cow. How can you eat baby cow? That's actually not true. Veal is made from cows approximately, I would call a teenager. So it's okay to eat a teenager? She's over 18. I have an idea. What if instead of us sitting in the chair and the couch, we just talk while eating? It really does bother you to talk to me that way, doesn't it? Yes, but when you were writing your thesis, notes were taken everywhere, correct? Yes. So why not over a bottle of wine and some Italian food? All right, fine. So you were telling me about the final time you left the apartment. I decided I would take a vacation to somewhere where no one knew me and I couldn't speak the language. You thought you would be more comfortable living in obscurity. Yes, I thought if no one knew me, I wouldn't fear embarrassing myself. So where did you go? Paris. Interior De Gaulle Airport day. Flashback. We see file footage of a flight landing in De Gaulle International Airport. We then see Ben, age 21, getting off the plane. He has a backpack on and is carrying two bags of luggage. I left on a night flight, 9 p.m., so I got to Paris at 9 a.m. I didn't sleep the whole flight. This was also the longest plane ride I ever took. It was the first time I dealt with motion sickness. I had a splitting headache, and it was extremely nauseous. We see a beautiful French woman, Sophie, approach Ben. She's in her mid-twenties and extremely well-dressed. Bonjour, Mr. Rosenfeld. Bonjour. Are you ready to see the sights? I'd rather go to the hotel and rest. But I arranged a special tour for you. Ben looks at her, and her beauty easily sways him. Okay, I'll go for a little while. Exterior park near Notre Dame Cathedral Day. Flashback. We see a yellow cab pull up, and Sophie and Ben get out. They walk towards Notre Dame Cathedral. This is Notre Dame Cathedral built between 1163 and 1345. It was almost destroyed during the French Revolution. Any questions? We hear Ben's stomach churning. Yeah, is there a bathroom inside? Uh, no, but uh, we have three porta potties right there. I'll be right back. Ben rushes over to the porta potties. He checks the first one, red, occupied. The second one, the same thing. Finally, the third one opens. We see Ben's face as he approaches. He is disgusted. He runs back to Sophie. Sorry, I must find a bathroom. Try the bistro on the other side of the street. We see Ben run across the street to the bistro. All the actions are silent, but there is funny music playing. 
Ben gets to the bistro and waits for the maitre d'. We see that he is asking to use the bathroom. The maitre d' shakes his head no and points to a sign in French. Ben shrugs. The maitre d' tells him to buy something or leave. Ben understands and he mouths Coca-Cola. The maitre d' gives a no head shake and we see Ben mouth, okay, Pepsi. The maitre d' nods yes and goes off to get the soda. We see Ben in obvious discomfort. The maitre d' comes back and hands Ben the Pepsi and his change. He puts the Pepsi down and runs towards the bathroom. Interior Parisian bathroom day flashback. Ben is seen entering the bathroom. He is in so much discomfort, he puts his arm against the wall for support. He finds a stall and tries to kick open the door. It does not budge. He goes over to inspect and notices there is a lock on the door that only the correct change will open. He frantically reaches into his pocket and pulls out all his coins. With a shaking hand, he tries to fit the coins in the slot. With his final attempt, the stall opens. To his horror, the door opens to a simple hole in the ground with a roll of toilet paper beside it. Ben doesn't know what to do. He gives a quizzical look as he wonders if that is how the French go to the bathroom or if the toilet bowl is being replaced. He decides to wait until someone else enters so he can ask them the story on the toilet. We hear his rich watch ticking. A man walks into the bathroom. Ah, excuse me, monsieur. Ne parle pas anglais. Ben points to himself, then points to the man and back to the toilet, as if to say, if you were me, would you go in there? The man, obviously unnerved, leaves. A young boy walks in, and Ben does the same gestures. The boy runs out of the bathroom. Ben goes into the stall and locks the door. We see him from the waist up, pulling his pants down. He begins to squat over the hole, and we hear him singing as the camera pans to the ceiling. After he is finished, we see him pulling his pants up. A POV shot opens as... A POV shot as he opens the stall. There he sees the young boy, this time escorted by a gendarme. The tape cut off right there, but Joe reiterated that he was proud of his 18 years in television and that even though he had a great time with Letterman, he felt that he arrived at the party a little late.